baptism, penance, holy Eucharist, confirmation, holy orders, matrimony, the anointing of the sick. Be with us now as Father Frank Pavone leads us to a deeper understanding of the unique signs instituted by Christ on reflections of the sacraments. And now, Father Pavone. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and it's a pleasure to join you today as we reflect on the sacraments. You've probably heard me speak on the respect for life, and this is the mission of our Priests for Life organization, uh, promoting the cause of life, praying for an end to abortion, working to educate people along those lines, and we invite you to pray with us every day for that intention. At this point, uh, we are reflecting on the sacraments, and we are reflecting today on the sacrament of confirmation. And because of that, let's pray together to the Holy Spirit who comes to us in this marvelous sacrament. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, you have instructed the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant that in the same Spirit we may be truly wise and always rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, the sacrament of confirmation is very closely connected to the sacrament of baptism. In fact, in the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church, the sacraments are given at the same time, and also in the Latin rite, because the uh, uh, occasion where an adult is, is received into the Church by baptism uh, in, in, in such a situation that person is, is usually confirmed at the same time. Uh, as a matter of fact, if a priest um, baptizes an adult, he is uh, privileged to give the sacrament of confirmation as well, although the sacrament is normally given by a bishop. But I have had the privilege as a priest of, of confirming some people, and um, it is a, a marvelous, marvelous moment Three of the sacraments are known as sacraments of initiation, getting us into the church. Baptism, Confirmation, and Holy Eucharist are those three sacraments of initiation. In baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we've reflected on that already earlier in this series. In Confirmation, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And it shouldn't be too hard to understand that we can receive the Holy Spirit again and again because He is infinite. He's infinite and He has an infinite number of gifts. But these two sacraments are, are special moments of receiving the Spirit and they have their own special seal, as we call it, that they imprint on the soul. They change us forever. Whether later on in life we are faithful or not, these sacraments change us forever, and therefore each of them is received by a, an individual only once. It's a once-in-a-lifetime event, or just like our birth is a once-in-a-lifetime event, so is our baptism, and so is our confirmation. But you know, the word sacrament, sacramentum, means an oath, a pledge, a promise, even though we have received these sacraments only once, 
the grace of the sacraments follows us. Through our whole life, the grace is available. We need to to build on and take advantage of that grace all through the course of the years. And that's why it's so it's so fruitful to be thinking and talking about the sacraments because what we need to keep in mind is that uh, is that it the event of the administration of the sacrament given to us was something of the past but the grace is, continues to be something in the present and right into the future it's a pledge that god has given us that he's going to be there to give us the grace to live the christian life this is what confirmation does you know it, it it strengthens us for the living of the Christian life. The living of the Christian life is not an easy thing. Now, if, if, if people think it's an easy thing, they're not going to appreciate the meaning and the importance of confirmation. Now, I've seen as a parish priest a lot of adults that have never been confirmed, Catholics who have been baptized, made their communion, but for one reason or another, their religious training may have been interrupted, and they may have never received confirmation. You may be one of those persons, or you may know such persons. And sometimes, you know, it takes some convincing to get them to see that it's a sacrament that they should receive. And and, and I think the reason at times why it's it, it's people don't see the importance of receiving it is because we have a notion nowadays that the Christian life is something that's... You know, it's auto, almost automatic. It's something so... It's really easy. It's not really a, a struggle. Brothers and sisters, it is a serious struggle. It is a it is a warfare to try to follow Christ in this life. And, and, and if we don't have the sense that it's a warfare, we need to look again closely at, at what the teachings of Christ are because they're very, very different from so much of what we're receiving all around us. And it's because it's a warfare that we need the confirming strength of the Holy Spirit and his many gifts. The fact that it is a sacrament, which is separate from baptism, even though it's closely connected, is shown to us or suggested to us in various passages of Scripture. For example, in the Acts of the Apostles, we read in, in chapter 8 the following words, starting with verse 14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who went down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For it had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The sacrament is conferred, by the laying on of hands and by an anointing with oil, a sacred oil called chrism, which is the olive oil mixed with um, a, a fragrant perfume. And the words of the sacrament are simply be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God. The Spirit is God Himself. He's the third person of the Blessed Trinity. And He is sent by the Father and the Son. Now you remember when He was first sent at Pentecost. The marvelous Feast of Pentecost is celebrated by the Church every year and it's the conclusion of the Easter season. So it is, um, it falls always in the, um, in the springtime. 
And Pentecost was an event that we read about uh, again in the uh, book of the Acts of the Apostles. Let's let's look at this event because it tells us a lot about what confirmation is all about because it's the very same Holy Spirit coming to us. We read in uh, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house where they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire which parted and came to rest on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now notice what happened here. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, told the apostles to pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit whom he had promised. And after the crucifixion, these apostles were afraid that if they went out to proclaim Christ, they would get crucified too. So they were behind locked doors. And even after Christ rose from the dead, they were still behind the locked doors. In fact, Jesus had to go through the doors uh, while they were still locked. But now that the Holy Spirit descended upon them, they became courageous preachers of the Word. Notice how the Spirit transformed them and the tongues of fire came down upon their heads. The Spirit appearing as tongues. Why? Because he gives them something to say. The church has something to say. We do not look at the evils in the world and, and, and uh, have nothing to say about it. We do not look even at the mystery of death and remain speechless. We have a word to speak. It's the word of life. It's the word of truth. It's the word of salvation. It's the word of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit makes us proclaimers of that gospel. What does confirmation do to us? The very same Holy Spirit comes into our soul, and, and, and this is the, the primary result of this sacrament, that we are, we are once again given this gift of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. But the sacrament of confirmation makes us more closely bound, more strictly obliged to both defend and spread our faith. Very, very important to understand the need we have to defend the faith, first of all. The faith is under attack in many, many ways. And these are not just from people who are going to come to us and say, oh, I, I, uh, I hate Christians and I hate the faith and what are you going to do about it? It's, it's, it's not that direct. It's from people very often who are calling themselves Christians and believing things totally the opposite. These are situations in which we have to defend the faith. Take, for example, my line of work in the pro-life movement. You have people come along and say, oh, well, sure, I'm a Catholic, but I'm pro-choice. Well, pro-choice of what? When the choice in question is the killing of an innocent child, I have news for you, there is no way to be a Catholic and be pro-choice. It just isn't possible. It just doesn't mix. Something's wrong there. Either you don't understand well, what the, the faith is all about, or you don't understand what pro-choice is all about. But, but if you understand them both, they, they just don't go together. And when we're talking about defending the faith, we mean, you know, preserving the integrity of the faith and preserving it from being distorted and misrepresented and, and, and disfigured out of all recognition. One of the tools that we have today that is so helpful for 
us in defending the faith, whether it's publicly or whether it's just in conversation with a with a friend, is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I hope that you have your own copy of it because it's not just meant for bishops and theologians and professors and priests. It is meant for each and every believer. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church lays out in, in black and white what the Church teaches. We cannot defend the faith if we don't know it. And the Catechism gives us a, a definitive way to know it where, where we, we can be sure that when we're reading it, we're not just looking at somebody's opinion or you know some theologian's latest idea, but we are looking at what the Church officially teaches. You know, when we defend the, the faith before somebody else, we're not. it's not a question of just defending our own ideas. When people say to me, you know, why are you imposing your views on me? I, I say to them, well, don't give me so much credit. It's not my views. I, I didn't make this up. This is a teaching that we've received from the Lord and that we're passing on in obedience to him for a very simple reason, that, that obedience to these teachings means eternal life. And we want you to share that eternal life just like we want to share it. It would be selfish for us to keep it to ourselves. So we spread it to others, and this is where confirmation gives us the strength to do so. You know, so many things happen in our society because of silence, and so many things don't happen because of silence. We know in our own mind that we should say something or should do something about about the evils around us, and yet there's a, a mute Spirit. Remember, remember in the gospel when, when when Christ casts out the mute spirit. Well, sometimes the mute spirit comes to us, and and we know in a certain circumstance that we may have an opportunity to to spread the faith, to give a good word to someone, or to correct someone's misunderstanding of something. Don't be silent. Speak. Call on the Holy Spirit to give speech to your tongue. Let him come, again, as tongues of fire. Not that you will see, but that will be no less real within your soul, giving speech to your words. Now, we are obliged to spread the faith. You know, there's a saying that there is no such thing as a secret disciple. Either the discipleship will destroy the secrecy, or the secrecy will destroy the discipleship. Christianity is not a private thing. Oh, sure, there are there are private aspects of our own um, um, relationship with God, but but this is a public thing. This is a public reality. Christ was crucified publicly. The faith has been proclaimed publicly ever since the beginning, and so is it in our times as well. There are efforts in many societies nowadays to make religion a purely private matter. That that religious views should have no place in the in the public arena. Well, they certainly should. As a matter of fact, the public arena will not survive unless it's based on, on the truth that comes from God. And so we need to proclaim it. Confirmation enables us and more strictly obliges us to do so. And there are so many different ways of doing so. It doesn't necessarily have to mean taking on a ministry in the church, although that is something that many people are privileged to do. They may teach uh, teach religion, uh, teach uh, children um, the, the faith. Um, certainly parents in their own families have the, uh, the privilege of passing on uh, the faith to their children, the, the obligation to do so. But it may be simply in 
private conversation, simply in uh, a personal ways of, 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 of living whereby we show to others that our belief in God and our participation in the church really changes our lives. Now, there's something uh, else about the sacrament of confirmation that the church teaches us, and it is that the uh, sacrament leads us to the Holy Eucharist. It leads to a deeper participation in the Eucharist. And this is very simple to understand because the Holy Spirit, whom we receive in the sacrament, always leads us back to Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And Christ is the Eucharist. The sacrament leads us to a deeper participation in the Eucharist, which is the, the, the bread of life, the source of eternal life for all of us. Now, there's something to keep in mind here when we prepare young people for the sacrament of confirmation. And by the way, the, the age at which this sacrament is received really varies from place to place. There are different norms uh, set up in, in, in various parts of the world. And it's... Uh, it, it, it's a variety of, of different um, reasons that are given for doing it either earlier or later. And I might point out here that uh, one of the important things to keep in mind as we as we discuss uh, the age for confirmation is that the we're not just talking about some sort of a, of a of a ritual of passage. You know, when someone reaches uh, adolescence or going into adulthood, we're talking about a sacrament of initiation and. We have to be careful of not putting uh, all the focus upon you know what we ourselves are able to do or understand. We need to keep in mind that the, that the Holy Spirit is being given in confirmation, so it's something that God is doing, and there is a there is an important consideration here that the sooner we receive this grace and and, and help from God, the better it is. We, we will be guided through. Uh, the years of our life. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, maybe we should not have some sort of other ceremony when someone is becoming uh, uh, old enough to really um, understand things about the faith and make and renew their commitment. Maybe there should be some other kind of of a ceremony. But but confirmation is the completion of our of our initiation into the church. Now, when young people are trained for confirmation, one of the things that we often see is that they're given certain service projects to do. And this is because we're trying to train them that that being an active member of the church means providing service to others. It means trying to to uh, help our brothers and sisters within the church and to spread the faith. I was a parish priest for a number of years before getting involved in the full-time pro-life work, and I've seen a lot of confirmation programs and activities in many different places. One of the things that I've noticed with these service projects is that they can be rather, well, rather beside the point at times. For example, when when young people think that they their confirmation service project is uh, walking the dog, or uh, or um, uh, you know babysitting their 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 brother or throwing out the garbage, uh, we we really need to examine a little bit more closely. You know, can, can can we give these young people service projects that get them more into the into the heart of what service is going to be? I mean. Throwing the garbage, walking the dog, and, and, and taking care of your younger brother or sister should be a normal part of, 
of of their their growing up. It that doesn't necessarily indicate any any uh, extra form of service given to the church. But if there are projects of the of the church where where we're actually reaching out to the wider community and and bringing them the faith or or being engaged in some some wider community service, this is where uh, we can really begin training these young people in uh, in what it means to bring the gospel into the world. We have uh, also an unfortunate notion that arises very often, and it's that the confirmation is the is the completion of the individual's religious education. Well, nothing can be quite farther from the truth. Uh, I, as a uh, as a priest, and, and all of us who are priests, are still learning more about our faith. We never get to the to the end of our education in the faith. And isn't it strange that, uh, especially if we're confirming uh, uh, children at uh, um, 13 or 14 years old, that we would give them um, years more of education just uh, in order to uh, get employment or to get on in the world, and yet uh, they remain at that uh, 13 or 14 year uh, age level of understanding their faith and we expect them to 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 change society for the kingdom of Christ it's a very unrealistic expectation the the education in our faith needs to continue and we need to 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 continuously try to get the notion across that the um, moment of confirmation is in no way a sort of a graduation uh, from religious education. If, if anything, the result of, of someone being confirmed should be to give them an even deeper thirst for knowing the ways of God and, and, and penetrating the life of the Spirit. I remember when I was confirmed, we had, the ritual uh, had not yet been revised at that point, according to the Second Vatican Council, and the bishop uh, gave us the little, um, little slap uh, on the cheek. And uh, we were all wondering how hard it was going to be, you know. Um, um, it was very, really, very gentle. But, you know, it wouldn't have harmed us if it were a little bit harder, because it's a reminder of something that we, in our society, are going to have to be reminded of more and more. The Christian life means the cross. And if we're not ready to accept suffering, we cannot be his disciples. It's as simple as that. And that's the very, very simple, powerful, essential truth that that little gesture was trying to say. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not saying we have to bring the gesture back into the sacrament. I need to, I'm saying we need to bring the teaching into our religious education. To be a Christian means to accept and to carry the cross, as our Lord says, every day, Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You read the two letters that St. Paul wrote to Timothy, and you'll see him referring to uh, this this uh, uh, Christian life as, as really the life of a soldier who is in warfare. And he says, uh, you know, soldiers don't waste their time being distracted by, by other things. This is serious, serious business. Paul uses also the uh, comparison of the Christian life to that of an athlete who sacrifices many things. Paul says, and now this is to the Corinthians, sacrifices many things in order to win a, a, a wreath of leaves that fades away. And how much more ought we to be contending to win the crown of life that never fades? Uh, what kind of suffering is, is too great for that? We're going, I say, to need to realize this more and more. 
Because our world more and more is, is just looking at suffering as something that's meaningless. It's not meaningless. It has a meaning. It has a value. It has a purpose. Particularly when it is joined to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The sufferings that we are going to have in body, in soul, either by diseases that we uh, that we have or by persecution from other people or just by things that go wrong or problems in relationships. The sufferings are going to come. There's no question about that. We don't have to go searching after them. But when they come, will we deal with them in a Christian way? If a person thinks that because the suffering has come, God has somehow abandoned them, well, they're not understanding God. Um, God coming close to us does not mean that all our suffering goes away. It does mean that he gives us the strength, however, to come close to him in those sufferings. We are going to need this more and more and more. We need this reminder to avoid such such philosophies as euthanasia that say, well, you know, if this suffering comes along and you can't bear it, well, you have the right just to decide when to when to end your life. Well, this is a extremely foreign to the gospel. This way of thinking, because first of all, it says that we are our own master, whereas the gospels tell us we are not our own. Our master is God, and and secondly, it's based on the notion that suffering is completely meaningless. It's not. Paul teaches us we join our sufferings to those of Christ to fill up what is lacking in his sufferings for the sake of his body, the church. In other words, whatever your suffering is, whether it's a headache or some major disaster in your life, join it to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it teach you how to love. And God, in his own mysterious way, will use that suffering to help save the world. There is so much that our confirmation gives us and does for us. If you or someone you know has not received this marvelous sacrament, encourage them to do so. Encourage them to speak to a priest. There are all sorts of adult confirmation programs that are offered so that all people who are baptized may also receive the benefits of this great sacrament. And as I recommended for baptism, find out the day you were confirmed and celebrate that as an anniversary. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. We thank you for joining us. Continue to listen to our series and pray that all may be saved. Thank you for joining us for Reflections of the Sacraments, presented by Father Frank Pavone. Director of Priests for Life.